Do you ever think about how cool our college mascot is? All the time. I'm obsessed with the fact that we have something like celestial. I know that's lame, but I, I just do. So we here at Olivet are the Olivet College Comets, which is pretty cool, honestly. I mean, I love space, so. <laughs> Did you wear that Comet shirt on purpose, Max? I didn't. Because <laughs> I'm noticing not only are you wearing an Olivet like sweater, but it's an Olivet College Comet sweater with the little like Comet guy on it. <laughs> I, I was didn't. Like, Way to go. I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> I just really like this sweater. Well, it works for you. And this episode does work. I think that's funny. <laughs> no, I actually, nerd alert, but the main reason I got into reading was because I liked studying about the planets as a kid. And I had this weird little, like, was it hooked on phonics? Do you remember those? Am I, I do remember okay. that. I was like, am I aging myself? Oh, yeah. no, you're not. So I would read those every day and learn about, like, all the different planets and the different details about the planets and, like, the gaseous versus the, like, earthy ones. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm obsessed. I've been reading it since I was probably just learning to read that's so cool so we're the comets and actually our mascots do have names it's clyde and Haley yep. comet named after Haley's comet or hallie's comet if you want to be that person i was just about to say like there's a debate but i prefer Haley's comet i think it's i think it's Haley's comet and i really think it's Haley's comet because Ooh. this week we have bill Haley and his comets from Mackinac to Motown, from Muskegon to Madonna. I'm Maggie. And I'm Bree. You're listening to The Musical Mitten. So on the show, I feel like we have a pretty good balance of past and present, right? Like that's sort of our goal. Yeah, I was going to say, it's definitely something we strive to achieve. Whether or not we hit it, it's hit or miss sometimes, maybe, but we like to think we do. <laughs> yeah, and given how long we've been doing this show, you'd... <laughs> You'd think we would have exhausted the history by now. No, there's so much history, especially in Michigan. I can't believe it. Like, I think when we started this, we thought it would be a show that could only go for maybe a year or two max because we'd run out eventually. And we learned the hard way. We're probably not going to run out anytime soon. Oh, God, no. But it's really cool that we haven't run out of history yet because we still get to talk about it. It's my favorite. <laughs> and... We're going to run back to the 1950s this episode. I've been really digging those 50s vibes. I get that. I get that. And I really think you're going to dig this because you probably know some of this music. I think everybody does. But we're talking about Bill Haley and his comets, which if you don't know, Bill Haley is from Highland Park, Michigan. So another one of those from the Detroit area. We've talked about making a map of all of the Detroit suburbs. And I'm more and more tempted every time we find another band. <laughs> eventually it's gonna happen it's gotta <laughs> happen i think we need it just to visualize seriously but bill haley's from highland park michigan and he really he came from a musical family he did i was wondering if we were gonna like talk much about his parents but his mom played was it the organ in the church classically trained on piano ah my goodness yes and then i can't remember what his dad did mandolin and banjo oh my gosh that's exactly it because i remember we had talked about someone else playing mandolin in a way earlier episode once yeah oh, you have a better memory than me <laughs> it was way way back like radio days like someone had played mandolin on top of all the other instruments they played 
I vaguely remember this conversation. Yeah. We're going to have to go back and figure out who this was now. We'll, re- <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to this in a later episode once we figure out who, the, who that was that played mandolin. <laughs> but speaking of string instruments, that's sort of where Bill Haley started. Ooh, do tell. He got his first guitar when he was 13 years old. You can check all of this out on the official Bill Haley website, which is BillHaley.com. But yeah, he got his first guitar for Christmas when he was 13. Ooh, I actually want to add to this because, and I'm annoyed at myself, I couldn't find the interview that they had talked about, but there was a website called Kadaddle and they had mentioned that there's actually a story behind his first guitar and he did an interview talking about it, but I couldn't find the interview. But the reason he was gifted this guitar by his parents is because he was so committed to playing one that he built a fake one out of like cardboard, you know, like most kids do and would play his fake cardboard guitar for like days and days until they finally like gifted him one. It was so sweet. That's adorable. Yeah, I, I really that. wish I could find the interview of him talking about it himself. But hey, at least I found the tidbit. Yeah, but he did eventually get that real guitar, started playing, actually even started yodeling in bands yeah, as a I teenager. I thought that was so weird. I mean, I love that, but it was not what I expected from someone who was an early rock and roller. And I know early rock isn't the same as rock now, but that's, that feels like a weird jump, right? Yeah, and we'll get into the roots of rock and roll a little bit later in this episode. I think it's so important. But when you think of famous musicians, how often do you think of yodeling? (laughs) Honestly, not very often. All I picture is like, I can't even remember what movie I'm picturing, but like there's this little puppet and it's yodeling. I was thinking about cartoon characters. You went for puppets. (laughs) It could be from a cartoon. I just can't remember. (laughs) Anywho. I'm sorry. So yeah, he started by yodeling, which I think is, you know, a testament to his skill. Yodeling is difficult. It is incredibly difficult. You have to be very musically gifted to be able to pull it off because your girl can't. (laughs) And this was as a teenager. He actually joined his first, like, band at 20. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have notes on that. So the band was called the Downhomers. This was in 1945, and of course, he performed with other bands prior to this, but this was like the first professional band. Okay. And was it around this time, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like around this time or shortly thereafter that he won a yodeling contest in Indiana? Have you seen this? Am I... Elaborate right now. Am I making it up? Okay. I saw that... Let me find my notes. Um... Bill Haley won the 1947 Indiana State Yodeling yes! Championship. Okay, so you found it. You found it. That is exactly what I was referring to. I couldn't remember what year it was, but yeah, he won a yodeling competition in Indiana, which is not far from here. So I'm on rockabillyhall.com. He apparently was taught by Alton Britt and Kenny Roberts of the Down Homers. I knew it. I just couldn't remember if it was with that band or this band because he's had a few little bands before his Comet days. And those next bands were, it started as Bill Haley and the Four Acres of Western Swing. But let's be honest, that's a mouthful. That is a huge mouthful. Like, I had to practice saying that because I kept (laughs) screwing it up. I can picture you practicing and making sure that it flows well, but I can't even talk over regular words. Mood. But so, of course, that's a mouthful. Then it becomes Bill Haley and the Saddlemen in 1950. Yeah. So he formed this band in late 1949. So apparently after he won his yodeling competition, if you're keeping track of the weird timeline. But they only lasted until 1950. 
53 before becoming the comments. And I think it was that core group who had transferred and like become a part of the comments. But in order to promote their act while they were the settlement, they actually worked with a Pennsylvania radio station and would like promote their acts and like come on live sometimes and also work a couple hours to make money and yeah. Well, I was going to say because Bill Haley moved to Pennsylvania at some point in his life and actually worked in radio for a while. We've yep. got this in common with him, which I think is really fun. I love but it. But he was a DJ for a Pennsylvania radio station. Yep. And would play country, swing, and R&B music. Mm-hmm. And if I'm thinking, if it's the same timeline, I'm thinking that he ended up doing that as a way to gain kind of popularity or at least a sort of platform for his band, which is awesome because a when you work on radio you tend to learn more about like what your listeners are wanting not only are you learning what your audience wants being able to you know spin records play the music that you want that's going to influence the music that you play exactly and i think that this is what makes it interesting right you just saw me do the thing. That I, that's why I would. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. It wasn't, uh, oh, Maggie thought this was interesting and I'm missing out on something. No, it's Maggie gave me the face, the rabbit hole face, guys. Uh, listeners unfamiliar with how we work as people, I <laughs> sorry. have a tendency to find a piece of information that tendency. I think is interesting and chase it as far as it'll go. And Bree started calling this my rabbit hole. We need something cooler. So if you have name suggestions, let me know. But for now, it's just Alice in Wonderland falling down the rabbit hole. Because this is the 1950s, Mm -hmm. listening to Bill Haley and the Comets, I'm thinking this isn't what we think of as rock and roll. Bill Haley is referred to as the father of rock and roll, so why doesn't this sound like the rock that we know and love today? So then doing all this research into the music that he would play when he was a DJ in Pennsylvania was he was playing all of this country swing and R&B, which heavily influenced yeah, the beginning of rock and roll. I could hear the like country and swing kind of like tendencies the of blues. his music. Yes. Yeah. And this is like I said right around the 1950s when rock and roll wasn't much of a thing yet. I mean like it was a thing. Yeah, like the term was established but no one had really defined it. Right. And the concept had existed and the term had somewhat existed, but they just hadn't meshed at that point i don't Mm -hmm. think and the term itself wasn't invented by but it was popularized by a man named alan freed who was a dj on wjw am which is in cleveland ohio and essentially what he would do is according to case edu his radio style was basically doing a lot of yelling of the term rock and roll while pounding on a phone book. Wait a minute, what? So imagine getting out your yellow pages, right? When the yellow pages were that big, thick book. Do you guys know what that is? Like, have we seen, like, I don't remember seeing, like, an actual phone book. I let my hear about them. Normally, you're the one who ages yourself on the show. I know, this but no, I feel feeling. like a baby, yeah. Because I have very little, like, interactions with them. I know what they are, but that's, <laughs> I've never, like, interacted with one or tried to, like, find a number in one. I know. I know. It's mind-blowing. Usually, I'm the old one. Speechless. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I've never aged myself on this podcast like that before. Ha-ha! The tables have turned. Anyway, so... Anywho. <laughs> picture this. A big, thick, yellow textbook-looking thing. Picture it now. Guys, slams the thing down dramatically. Pounds on this phone book was super enthusiastic. All about rock and roll, right? I wish you could see her facial expressions when she says these words. I am a very expressive human being. 
But that's where we really see rock and roll come from. Yeah. And, of course, in the genre that Alan Freed was playing would have been Bill Haley's kind of music. Eventually, this would then become, you know, Elvis. <laughs> yep. And evolve into what we know as rock and roll today with all of the different genres included in that phrase. Subgenres, yeah. But it's funny that you mentioned Elvis because when I was redoing some of my research, I had read that he was kind of a competition for Billy and his comments. And I know, I know, we're getting there. But the reason being is because while the comments had like this rock and roll sound, they didn't have a very rock and roll image. They didn't. But Elvis did. So instead, they would flock to Elvis who had these like provocative lyrics and the hip waggling and, you know, like, <laughs> did I really just say hip waggling? Yes, you did. <laughs> you know, we're going with it. But yeah, so he had this like provocative image to go with his music. And so people tend to flock over him as opposed to the comments. But in reality, they were making very similar sounds in similar times you know it's interesting that you say that they were competition because i read that they were friendly yes okay i was like they were competition but they were also friendly so we're getting into like the mid 50s at this point which you know they're still touring but their popularity starts to fall off in the mid to late 50s and this is when we start to see elvis take over a little bit more as i've mentioned but if you know elvis <laughs> right elvis was on tour in europe not as Elvis Presley, but doing military service. Mm -hmm. But he would also perform as a part of that. So this is just something that I found while also Bill Haley and his comments are touring Europe in the mid to late 50s, was that they were in the same place at the same time a couple of times. Ah, when you showed me this, I full-blown geeked. I can't wait, you guys. There is a picture. It's on elvis.com.au. Of the two of them together, Bill Haley and Elvis Presley. It is an iconic photo, you guys. Like, I mm, I don't know how to explain it, but, like, the amount of, like, musical talent within just those two people, and then they happen to be at the same place at the right time, and just clicks. I love when those moments happen. And, you know, they would get to play together as a part of that. Yep. But this picture was taken on October 23rd, 1958. And Spooky you... Face. Get to see Bill Haley with the iconic kiss curl and Elvis, who is Elvis. <laughs> and it's just like, it's amazing how you researched them and found that they were considered competition when in reality, they're friends. Well, yeah. at least friendly. I can't confirm that they like hung out or anything, but they hung out on tour together at least a little. In that vein, it's just really interesting to me that even though they were friendly, it was, of course, Elvis that ended up overshadowing them in mm. the long run. That's crazy. Coming back to their styles a little bit, how they don't seem as rock and roll as we would consider them now, where Elvis was the hip thrusting, the scandal. <laughs> so if you look at a picture of Bill Haley in the comments, you definitely see like a bunch of clean cut guys. Yep. Right. And Bill Haley has a particular hairstyle. He does. And I have... You give more information and I'll tell you the reason behind it. <laughs> so the hairstyle itself is what's called either a kiss curl or a split curl. Mm -hmm. I've heard both. It's very much like what you'd think of. It's a just a curl over like part of your forehead. Yep. Basically. Interestingly enough, this was a gender neutral hairstyle. We love that. And of course, he uses it as we've mentioned, but also it was used by Diana Ross. 
that's iconic. Okay, I didn't even think about that. Josephine Baker. Ooh. And in case you needed more proof that this was a gender neutral style, Superman. <laughs> we were absolutely right. I didn't even think about it because when he's Clark Kent, not only does he wear those glasses, but he slicks his hair all the way back and there's no little curly cue. And that's how you know he's Clark Kent and not Superman. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but when it's Superman, the glasses come off, the curl comes out. Boom. This is literally in the Superman handbook. <laughs> and, of course, the use of the kiss curl by Diana Ross and Josephine Baker is also included in Glamour magazine. But it's just really interesting to see how this style had had an impact on society. And I've seen, like... Up to now, people I are starting to bring I was just about to say, I saw an article earlier when I was doing research on the Kiss Curl that it is possibly trending again. Like, people are doing them when they do their sleek updos, and there are actual videos of people, like, teaching other people how to style them because, you know, fashion history, it all repeats itself. But in this case, I'm here for it. Right. But you said that there was a reason behind it, and I'm curious now. Oh, there's a reason Bill specifically preferred to do that curl, and he would always do it over his right eye, specifically. And it was because when he was four years old, much like one of your co-hosts, he struggled with inner ear problems and had to have a surgery on it, unlike me. But unfortunately, that the surgery on his ear resulted in him losing his sight in his left eye. And so his left eye would often be lazy in order to draw away from that, he wanted to do the curl over his right eye so that people would naturally look right at that eye and ignore the one that was a little bit more lazy. But I think that's really clever how he used that particular style to then distract from that. Yeah, I didn't even realize that that was happening when I was like looking back at old photos of him while we were doing our research. And then I had picked it out that it was almost always on the right eye because he's drawing attention away from the left one. But no, I think that's a really good tactic. I'm going to have to look closer at some old photos now. <laughs> See who else is using it to draw attention away from something. It's a good point. Mm -hmm. What's Superman have to hide? <laughs> His identity. Clark Kent. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> that was such an obvious thing. Why did I... <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> So in the past, we've done these little in-between segments, right, where we've kind of tried to mix it up a little bit. We've done current event segments. We've done trivia segments. And I think this will be, this will be interesting. <laughs> so we definitely weren't ready to give up trivia because finding these things is probably one of the most fun parts of doing research because it challenges us to look outside the box and kind of compete with each other to find the most interesting tidbit of whatever which we're both competitive, so it's very fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. However, we also wanted to challenge ourselves a little bit. And by that, we mean we're only giving ourselves one minute. And when we say a little bit, I mean a lot of bit because it's hard for Maggie and I, especially Maggie and I, to only talk for a minute. So it's probably still going to be primarily trivia. Oh, yeah. But wherever we are, when the timer runs out, I've got a timer set on my phone. Wherever we are, when that timer runs out, we stop. It doesn't matter if we're mid-sentence, mid-word, mid-chaos. We are done at a minute. So, welcome to the Mitten Minute. Ready? Set. Go. So, we mentioned that we want to do some trivia still this season. And I think I've got the best question. Hit me with it. Bill Haley is referenced as the father of rock and roll. 
which other Michigan musicians hold similar titles in their respective genres? Well, I know we've covered a few. What was it? Radio Days? Radio Days. It was, I think, our second episode. Holy cow. And there were four artists that we covered. 30 seconds. Oh, gosh. Okay. So we did King of Pop, Michael Jackson. Right. We have Queen two, of Pop. Two different queens, by the oh, way. Oh, yes. Yes, you're right. So Queen of Pop, Madonna. Madonna. <laughs> and then the other was Mary Wells. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I almost forgot. And then the fourth one, the fourth one. Uh, Godfather. Ah, Iggy Pop. Yes. There's so many pops in this. <laughs> Honestly. And ah, uh, what an episode. If you guys are missing any of these people, check out our Spotify. We will reference this later, but I'm probably going to get cut off before I can tell you. Time. Ah! <laughs> You've been listening to The Musical Mitten. I'm Maggie. And I'm Bree. The Musical Mitten is a radio show turned podcast that started on WOCR 89.1 The One, Olivet College's own FCC licensed radio station in the fall of 2021. Our show explores Michigan music, which means we get to talk about the past and present of the state's music. In doing so, we've been able to meet artists from all across the state. If you want to get involved, please feel free to fill out the forms listed at the bottom of our website at themusicalmitten.com. Coming back to the band itself. (laughs) <laughs> right. We've talked about how Bill Haley started his first professional band was the Down Homers, then went to Bill Haley in the Four Acres of Western Swing, then Bill Haley in the Settlement in 1950. Now, they got signed to Holiday Records in 1951. The band's name changed in 1952. Wow. Yeah. So that's when they became <laughs> Bill Haley and the Comets. And actually... Interesting thing. The band name itself is slightly debated. Yes. Okay. I did see a couple of variations. I was going to ask you about that. So you've probably heard me already this episode switching back and forth, Bill Haley and his comets or Bill Haley and the comets. And that's just because there's a lot of that interchangeability in there. And even the band itself without Bill Haley had a bit of variation what they were called if they were just called the comets if they were the original comets or like Haley's comments <laughs> and like there were a lot of rights issues over the Ooh. name like depending on who could call themselves what based on what era of the band that they were in that makes sense but leads to a lot of confusion yeah <laughs> so like the original comets or like the original members of the band are typically like what people are referring to when they refer to the comets, right? Yep. Now, the band itself actually kept playing until 2006. They kept playing even after Bill Haley passed away in 1981, but played up until 2006, and it was Marshall Lytle on bass, Joey Ambrose on saxophone, Johnny Grant on piano, Dick Richards on drums, and Franny Beecher on guitar. Dang. They did have, like, some people who would take over for, like, the lead singer, but those that I just listed were what was known as Bill Haley's original comets or the original band. Yep. That checks out. (laughs) Because they're all obviously the original core group beforehand. That's sort of why there's some debate in the name now, since with any band, there was, of course, some turnover in the time that they were active and... I feel like with most of the bands, actually, like there's never a, I don't want to say never, but it is very rare that you have a core group of people playing for an extended amount of years without at least like one person switching out or like something coming up and they change their mind on what they want to do for their lives or heaven forbid something happens or Mm -hmm. it's just crazy. 
Yeah, but good for them for sticking with the the original, like yeah. the brand. That's what's like. I kind of like that they gave credit to that core group. Mm-hmm. Just really confusing later on. <laughs> we're good with it. We we're working it out. What a legacy, <laughs> especially with some of the music that they've put out. I was gonna say I don't think we've delved into the exact songs they might be famous for (laughs) and i mentioned that you would know some of this music earlier in the episode i think their three most popular songs are going to be rock around the clock Mm -hmm. shake rattle and roll yep and And see you later alligator yes okay perfect those were the top ones i saw and literally i had a vague memory of the first two but when i saw the see you later alligator my childhood self was so pumped See, I had the same thing, but with Shake, Rattle, and Roll. Okay, yeah. (laughs) But these are songs that have, you know, persevered, and they've been covered by other artists, and they're just generally familiar, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And have lived on to this day 70-some years later. Ah, and speaking of their songs being covered by other artists, they actually covered one of my favorite, well, I don't want to say favorite, but one of, like... The up there Christmas songs. Okay. Like whenever I hear it, I'm in a good mood and I think of Mean Girls. <laughs> Valid. Yeah. I'm not going to fight you on that. But Jingle Bell Rock, they did an amazing cover on it. And some would argue it's better than the original. And I don't know if I'd go that far, but and it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. No. Valid. 100%. And even though it's February and we probably shouldn't be talking about Christmas anymore. It's, I think it's great to mention. It's so snowy here right now. <laughs> it's cold more than anything. Oh, gosh. It was snowier earlier in the week, but holy cow, it really did bring up the whole white Christmas vibes back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My car does not appreciate it. <laughs> so maybe it is appropriate to talk about Christmas music right now. Yeah, just a little. Just a little. But I definitely spent a lot of time listening to their music before we started this episode, even though it's not the rock and roll that... <laughs> we know and love today it's still pretty fantastic and i'd give it a listen if i were you listen for those country and blues roots that really defined early rock and roll and you'll see why they called bill haley the father of rock and roll and if you're feeling adventurous you should definitely check out his yodeling days oh yeah i'm pretty sure there's (laughs) videos of that out there easily Ooh, see if you can find some things directly from that indiana competition As we wrap up this episode, it's important to mention that all members of the original band have passed away. Bill Haley himself passed away in 1981, but the last member of the band, which I believe was Joey Ambrose, passed away in 2021. Gee, so that's recent. Yeah. The band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987. It was also inducted into the Michigan Rock and Roll Legends Hall of Fame in 2005, which reminds me... Next time we're up in Bay City, we should check and see if their picture is in the museum. What do you think? Ooh, that'd be so fun. Another road trip in the books, too. Perfect excuse. Definitely. And I think we should do some other Michigan music-related research while we're up there, especially (laughs) since it's Madonna's hometown, and we haven't really talked about her much since the first season. Yes, take me back, please. Maybe we'll do that next week. What do you say? Let's do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want more, check out our Instagram and Twitter at The Musical MI for announcements, events, and behind-the-scenes content. All of our past episodes, radio show, and podcast are on our website at themusicalmitten.com. Again, that's T-H-E-M-U-S-I-C-A-L-M-I-T-T-E-N dot C-O-M. We'll keep you posted on what's happening next here on The Musical Mitten. 